I think that healing really happens when we can all come together. And again, because we have individual experiences that feel so lonely when we find people who understand and who we can also see have experienced healing and, and where we can share and we can support and, and where we can just hold space and say, I went through this too and I know it freaking sucks and I'm so sorry. I think that that can bring so much healing. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, gang. Yay. Okay, so Ashley Lemieux is the founder and CEO of The Shine Project and best-selling author of her debut memoir, Born to Shine. Her highly anticipated second book, I Am Here, released in May 2021, guides readers out of fear and into freedom. Ashley has been through the searing pain of contested adoption, the death of a child, and the struggle of infertility that many women experience. However, she also knows the healing power of sharing your story. That's why she started The Shine Project, an online community for women to find support, resources, motivation, and community to triumph over the challenges in their lives. She has empowered hundreds of thousands of women to find purpose in their pain and is the host of the top-rated podcast, The I Am Podcast. Her online community has inspired her to share the triumphs and tragedies life has handed her and to help others find the courage to keep going. Ashley is on the board of directors for the National Angels, a nonprofit whose mission is to walk alongside children, youth, and families in the foster care community through intentional giving, relationship building, and mentorship. Ashley lives in Phoenix with her husband and two dogs, and you can connect with her and a community of supportive women on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux, and her last name is L-E-M-I-E-U-X, and online at theshineproject.com. Welcome, Ashley. Hi. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me today. Really thrilled to have you here. You are just like a ray of sunshine, girl. And this is Jamie. So I am just going to pivot for a minute to our weekly catch-up topic, which is usually a time when we chat about something that's going on in our lives. But nothing really is more important today than a big announcement that we have to make. So I just wanted to like take a minute to like level set. So Okay, off the gram, we've been, we've existed for like going on two years now. I, we got together. It took us, you know, about six months from inception to launch. And then right shortly after we launched, a global pandemic happened. And that was when we decided to shift our show to really help people stay sane and healthy in the wake of everything that was going on. And I really think it gave us guys, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but a whole new sense of purpose. I mean, it was really an incredible opportunity for us to show up for our audience and our community. And we've worked our tails off and been an incredible team. I feel like these women are my sisters for the last year that we've all been quarantined. And we have just really put the pedal to the metal. We've done two off the gram lives and it's been an incredible ride. So we are going to take a summer hiatus. <gasps> Yay! 
Yay! After having a show every single week since we started. We have done a show every single Monday and I feel like it's summer vacation and it's funny because when I made the announcement on my own Instagram on NYC Fit Fam, I got all of these DMs like, no, people were so sad. And I said like, first of all, wait a second. If you're telling me you have listened to our entire backlog of episodes, I don't believe you. So there are plenty of episodes to go back and listen to for sure or to re-listen to. But also there's something really, I think, special about just like giving something a moment to breathe, like giving a little air in the room and letting us come back also fresh in the fall with a little bit of like a renewed sense of purpose and commitment and some new fresh guests. So guys, what are you doing on summer break? And maybe some format shakeups, like DM us and let us know if there's changes or new things you want us to, uh, I like change, you know. Absolutely. But also so we can walk our talk, ladies. Mm -hmm. So Heidi here, but we aren't allowed to preach wellness, in my opinion, if we can't live it. And you're not living wellness if you're working 24-7, and that includes producing a show every single week. So we're really like, this is a moment for us to really live what we preach on the show every single week. (laughs) What a great point. Yeah, really. It really is about because it was a hard choice, to be honest. We're all such worker bees and we we have such a passion for putting out great content and guests that I think we all really like lamented over this decision. And then we were like, you know what? Like self-care is a thing. And I think it'll be great. And also, because we have this amazing partnership with OzTube, all of our best of episodes are over there in video format. So this gives you guys a chance to go follow along at OzTube, which is DrOz.com slash OzTube, and check out, you know, a little Reader's Digest version of our show week to week. Um, He's putting up all of our backlog. I love it because... I'm seeing episodes I forgot we even did. Like my mom's episode (laughs) was up this past week. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, my mom. (laughs) And I remember exactly where I was in the pandemic when we shot it. It's so cool because I was like, Ashley, I was all over the place in the pandemic, like anywhere but New York City where I live. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I was at that rental or I was in that room. And I was locked down pandemic memory lane. Mm, Happy that that's in my rear view. But Jane, let's be real. I think it was hardest for you. I think that Christine, Megan and I were really excited to take vacay. We're all worker bees, but Jamie is the biggest, I think, mad props to you that you are the hardest working You and I know. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? And maybe to my own detriment, I think it's a really great point that you just made, Heidi. I think it's a really good lesson in adulting that like sometimes it's good to just there's power in the pause, right? So much power in the pause. So much power in the pause. And also leave people wanting more rather than always being available. Ooh, you guys, do you hear that? Heidi's playing hard to get with y'all. All All right, Heidi. Well, on that note, should we take it away with today's topic? Sounds good. (laughs) I love you, ladies. Okay. So, Ashley, you recently started sharing new details of your very personal story publicly. Stories you had never revealed before. You managed to heal from that pain by reframing your thoughts, reimagining your future, and reclaiming your power. I know so many of our listeners are struggling right now as they listen to this show, and you have an incredible and inspiring toolkit to help anyone get unstuck and fight their way out of even the deepest despair. So we're just really looking forward to hearing your story and learning from your personal transformation. So... Let's talk. (laughs) Oh, I'm so honored to be here. And now that I know you're going on hiatus, I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I feel, I feel so excited that I get to be one of the last people. You are the last show before we go. You are the last show. Oh my gosh. 
I just, okay, this is going to be even better than I anticipated. So. When you came across our desks, honestly, we were like, maybe we just do one more show. Maybe just one more show. Wait, It'd be so seriously? fun to talk to Ashley. Yeah. You guys, that means so much. Thank you. It truly is my honor and my privilege to be able to, to share just parts of my story so that anyone out there who feels like they're being buried by their own life also knows that that feeling won't last forever and that their story isn't over yet. And so it really is my honor to be able to, to talk to you guys today. So Ashley, can you tell us a little bit about your first book? Your first book was Born to Shine and your journey to write that book. Yes. So since I was little, I was so shy. So I would run home from school after not talking all day and I would write in my little journal and I would throw it under my bed. And that's how I processed life, feelings, everything from eight years old. And when I was little, if you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would tell you, I want to be a writer to help people heal their hearts. And so my whole life, that's what I wanted. And how when old I got- were you when you first had that thought? I was eight. And I specifically remember just feeling like this is, this is what I want to be doing. This is what I'm here to do in my life. And so I, I wrote all throughout my life and um, I started an online platform where I was writing and, and just helping women find encouragement and light to hold on to. And it got to a place where I really wanted to write a book because I just knew that I wanted to create something that I had been searching for during my darkest times and I couldn't find what I was needing or wanting. And so in my mind, I was like, this is my opportunity to create what I felt was missing for me. And hopefully it can reach other people who are looking for what I couldn't find. Um, so I, I got a great literary agent. It felt like the stars were aligning because <laughs> the second I made that decision, I woke up, there was an email from one of the best literary agents in the country asking if I'd ever considered writing a book. And I just felt like things were aligning for me. And we spent all this time writing a book proposal. And normally in the publishing process, getting an agent is the hardest part. And especially if it's a good one, it, it you can feel pretty confident that you're going to get a book deal. So uh, we submit the proposal to all of the top publishers in the country. I book a, a six week trip where after my book deal comes in the next day, I'm leaving and I'm going to go write these words. That day came, it was the final bid day for the book. And that also meant that the final rejection for born to shine came through and I didn't get a book deal. And I remember sitting in that moment, just so devastated and so just feeling terrible about myself that I wasn't good enough, that what I thought that was important for, for my life, what I thought I was supposed to be doing wasn't going to happen. And I threw myself a pity party, to be honest. And it took a couple months. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I believe in this message. I believe that there's women who need to hear this and I'm going to write it anyway. So I wrote it. I ended up being with a smaller publisher and it became a bestseller, which then led to my next book, I Am Here. And it's been so incredible for me to be able to hear from so many women who have been looking for the messages in Born to Shine. Um, and 
I, I always look back, like thanking myself a few years ago when it was hard to keep going, that I went, that I kept going even when I had heard so many no's. So that was the process of writing that first book. It was, it was an untraditional way of getting what I thought was important out into the world. And can you tell us a little bit about the, the pain and the backstory and why that message was so important for you to share? Yes. So in our mid-20s, my husband and I became overnight parents, uh, very unexpectedly, to a four and a six-year-old. And our, so our family doubled overnight. And becoming a family, becoming a mother was the greatest thing that had ever happened to me. Um, and can you just explain that? So you, you worked at a, you worked with inner city youth and that's, so how did, can you just tell us how that came to be? Yeah, it came to be uh, privately. So we were not seeking uh, foster care. We were not, we were not foster parents. We weren't seeking adoption. We weren't seeking growing our family at all during that time. Um, but through a relative, there was a need for a home for these two um, kids. And so we were given permanent guardianship over them. So all of us thought that forever and always we would be a family. And we operated as a family for the next four years in every sense of the word. I mean, truly um, our life, we all built our lives around each other and of course, integrating that was really hard, especially in the beginning, but it also was, we just were like, we just were a family and a few years into being a family during the final steps of the adoption process, we experienced a very unexpected contested adoption that sent us into court for two years fighting to keep our family together, fighting for the best interest of the kids. Um, and that time I thought was going to destroy us. But in my mind, I kept thinking, but this is what we have to walk through so that we can all stay together. So this will be worth it. It's so hard right now. It's making us so physically, emotionally ill, but it's going to be worth it because it means being a family and, and, and having peace and, and togetherness forever. Um, during the end of that, that court battle, um, we lost the kids almost as quickly as they had come when they were returned to um, a biological family member. And during that time, um, it, it was a, it was like a, a it was a court hearing that had been called that was supposed to be preparing us for a bigger court date the next month. And um, so during that time, I was actually on the other side of the country for work. I had stopped traveling for work to be home and to be present, but we were also trying to reclaim our lives because we felt like so much had been taken from us and stolen from us that time that I just kept saying, okay, like these three days I'm going to be away it's going to be okay. And so I was gone. Um, and I get a call from my husband and, uh, he told us, he told me that the kids would be leaving the next morning and that we weren't allowed to tell them what was going on and that they were not giving me time to come home and say goodbye. So, um, we had to write them goodbye letters. 
Sorry. I mean, it was. I'm, I'll cry with you. It's, yeah. I'll cry with you, Ashley. This is terrible. So I wrote them goodbye letters. And um, that was that was that. That was it. And the days, the years, I mean, still, it's been four and a half years ago. It's, it's something that carries with me daily because, you know, as a mother, that love. And that's something, though, that I have learned is that love is the one thing that we carry with us forever. It's the one thing that no matter what happens in our lives to us or against us or for us, whatever happens, love is ours. It's our, it's like our birthright and nobody gets to take that away from us. Um, And so that's, what's carried us through. That's what's gotten me out of bed. That's what's gotten me through depression and the PTSD and the, and the grief, um, the, the intense grief that has come. So as, as we went through these past few years of how do we keep living? Like, and are you allowed to have contact with them or any relationship? We have no relationship. We have no contact. And so, so then there's these, the stories that come right of, of just knowing your, your child is out there and, and what are they going through and not being able to protect them. So some of the lies that I started telling myself was what a failure of a mother I am, right? Like what a failure I am that I cannot protect my kids. What does that mean about me as a person? And so I've li- I started living through these lies for, for so many years after we lost them. And it was almost like someone had taken a vacuum and just sucked out all of the life inside of me. I, I, ch- I changed physically, emotionally, and spiritually as a human because it it truly felt like everything had just been sucked out of me. Um, And a a couple of years later, we had sold everything. We sold everything that we had owned um, and we left the house that we had raised the children in. It was too, it was impossible to, it was impossible to be there. And we moved across the country from Phoenix to Nashville. And I looked at myself in the mirror one day in this new life, we were trying to rebuild for ourselves, whatever that even meant. And I did not recognize the woman who was staring back at me. And I called my husband in and I just started sobbing. And I said, Mike, I can't live my life this way anymore. I cannot live a life that when I'm 85 years old, I look at myself in the mirror and I regret my entire life because I was too sad to participate in it. I have to figure out how I live with pain and joy, how I live with anger and still find fulfillment, how, how I feel heartbroken and hopeful. How can these things coexist in my life so that it's just not this overwhelming death of who I once was? How do I reignite myself and come back to life? And that's why I wrote Born to Shine, because I learned that even in our darkest moments, that there is still light that we can still find it, that our story is not over yet, that there is hope and love and joy waiting for us. And so what does it look like to reclaim that for ourselves? And that became really important for me to uncover and then give to other women who we're going through hard times because something that I've learned is that even though our experiences, they're so different, right? The things that all of us go through in life are so drastically different. The details of our lives are different, but the feelings that we share, those are the same. Those, mm-hmm. those are what connect us. That's part of the human condition. So as we're all feeling different types of fear or 
grief or anxieties. There's things that are universal that we can do that can connect us and move us forward on our healing process. And that's what I feel like my purpose is to share. So incredible. And it's so relatable, Ashley, because I just feel like, you know, whether it's whether it's a, a circumstance like yours, which is so unique and specific, or Megan, I even think of you and an Operation Good Grief, which is something that's been so close to your heart after losing your father. We all have things in our life that where life just throws this, this curveball where it's like, you know what? <laughs> You're not in the driver's seat. You know, the universe has its own way of rolling out. And, you know, whoever you believe is, you know, the creator has their own plan for, for the day to day. And sometimes we just have to take what life throws at us. But I love the idea that, and I think what Megan, I've heard Megan talk about before is like, you almost feel a little bit of guilt, not a little bit, you feel guilt when you start to feel joy again after experiencing grief. So how, how do you coexist in those two emotions at once? Learning to exist in the two emotions is really hard but there's, there's a couple of words that I've really grasped onto. And the first word is, and so if there's these moments where I'm just feeling so buried or my grief is so heavy, I, I try to think of, and so right now I'm really grieving, right? Right now I'm really hurting. And I'm also feeling a lot of joy because X, Y, and Z just happened, or I'm looking forward to X, Y, and Z, right? So, it, so it, helps me get out of my head of this is all that I'm feeling right now all the time and allowing this and to exist that there can also be something else. And that's okay. It's okay for that to happen. So it's so much more positive than, but I actually learned that for the first time when we did the off the gram live with Catherine Schwarzenegger Pratt, she kept using and where I would have used, but, and then it goes downward, but the end allows the upward. It's such a powerful tool. Yes. How did you figure that out? <laughs> okay. So this might sound really like <laughs> really weird, but there are things that I have done that I've just found myself in these impossible places and have asked myself, how, how do I possibly start climbing out of this? So one of the things is that I started viewing pain very differently for the first part of losing our kids, I thought that I could outrun my pain. So that look for me, that looked like booking as much work as possible, where I was just running myself ragged. It looked like moving across the country, running away. It looked like trying to travel just to, to keep myself as busy as possible and also run as fast as possible. I thought I could outrun pain. I quickly learned that you cannot outrun pain. And the only way to handle it is through it. You, the only way. And so one morning, um, I was just, I was trying to get ready for my day of work, crying as I did every day. And I felt this intense amount of pain just swell up inside of me. And I asked the question out loud, pain, what is it that you are trying to teach me right now? And that was the first moment where I started viewing pain as something that I didn't have to be afraid of, but that as something that literally could be there to be my teacher and hold my hand through what I was walking through. So I started this journey of inviting pain to teach me instead of trying to run away from it. And then answers started coming for me. And in fact, um, I bought a painting of a woman who 
who it's this beautiful painting and she's, she's holding this um, plant and her tears are watering it to grow. And in my mind, I, I call pain a woman now. It feels a little bit safer to me. And that's the image that I view when I think of pain. I, so I gave pain a life. She became this human to me that I invited in to teach me. And, and that helped me stop running away and being able to find answers to the questions that I was seeking. Is it a person that you, I just want to get specific about this because I think this is such an amazing, powerful tool. So I want people to have as clear of a picture as possible. How do you, is it a person that you know that you've just imported or you just fabricated? Like, have you seen this person? No. So it's an unknown person. (laughs) I've never met this person before. It's a person that, that fabricated of kind of taking the components of, well, what does kindness look like? What does love look like? What does, what what does it? a wise teacher look like. And then as I was doing that and I found this painting of this woman, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's her. (laughs) And so now I can have for me being able to have this image. So it becomes more real is really important. That's just how I'm able to process things. That's how I learned. So for me, that became very, very helpful. One of the other tools you use are affirmations and you have a specific number of them. You're very specific about your affirmations. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So the five thing, there are five questions that I ask myself every morning and I became very specific about those because something that I have found that happens when you experience grief or when you experience a life change, like coming out of a pandemic or losing a job or losing a relationship that once was really important to you, it, your, your life starts changing and it's really hard to know, okay, well now that this does not exist anymore, what does my next step even look like? Like, what does it look like now for me to get out of bed and reimagine a new future for myself that I had never thought about because I thought life was going to look differently than it currently is. So how do I invite a new life? (laughs) How do I invite myself to rebuild a new life? That's something that I was struggling with because I was so caught in what I wanted life to be. So I, I started meditating in the morning and doing so allowed five questions um, to start guiding my day that I now use every day or at the start of every year to help guide my year. But the very first uh, one that I ask is what is my intention? What is my intention today? It helps give me purpose. It helps give me clarity and it helps give me freedom to say no to, to things that are fighting for my attention or space or energy that are not in line with what my intention is for that day. So I'm somebody who has trouble with drilling down what an intention could or should be. So can you give me an example of what an intention would be? Like I intend to drink coffee, but that's not enough. (laughs) No, right. Well, maybe, maybe someday it is. Maybe, maybe someday you're grieving so deeply that getting out of bed and drinking coffee that day is the intention. Okay. And, and that is enough. Right. And so what I, have found is that when we invite ourselves to get really honest with what it is that we are needing and wanting, um, then those answers will come. So what an intention is really, it's, it's for me, I focus on a feeling that I want to generate throughout the day. Um, and, and sometimes that can lead to a goal an end goal throughout the day. But really for me, it doesn't matter if I'm 
it doesn't matter if I've reached this big professional goal, if I'm feeling like crap inside, right? To, to me, that doesn't equal success. It doesn't e- equal fulfillment. So for my intentions, I really try to focus on what am I wanting to feel today and then backtrack and then I can make, okay, so today I want to be doing X, Y, and Z to then generate this feeling in my life. So really an intention is is a North star that keeps you on track when the world gets so busy around you or your feelings get really big. It can keep you focused on that one thing that you are going to be focusing on that day. And that's all an intention is. Well, I was just going to, cause there was something else that um, we have here in our notes about like a clarity mapping tool um, that it comes forth in your new book. And I feel like this is some somewhat of the same thing. Like these are ways where people can get specific with their intentions and they're kind of, and get clear about their vision. So is that different? It's the same. It's part, it's all this part of that. Thing. Yeah. And And the reason why this is important is because as you're able to answer these questions for yourself, you're also able to come up with the mantras that you're wanting to focus on every day or those things that are important to you, because what's going to be important in life giving for me is going to be different than what it is that you're needing in your life. Right. And so, um, so yeah, so that's why I love this practice so much is because it invites us to uncover our own clarity for our own lives. So do you always ask yourself all five? Do the, you know, so then do you like, and do you go in quick succession? Okay. I answer, I got my intention. Okay. Number two, I'm going to ask myself this. Yes. So the second, the second question is why am I worthy? Why? So that guilt we talked about a little bit, what you sometimes after feeling grief, you can start feeling guilty if you start feeling joy or happiness or these things. And I've realized, especially as women, a lot of times we feel very guilty when we start finding ourselves finding joy or, or moving forward. Um, for me, I kept the lie I was telling myself was, well, what kind of mother who could not protect her children is allowed to feel joy again in her life? I, I, I can't, I can't do that. And so the question of, well, why am I worthy? Why am I worthy to, to feel how I want to feel today? Why am I worthy of this life? Why am I worthy of getting up again today became very vital. Otherwise I started sabotaging my own self. So that question was pivotal. But how could you answer that question? I think people would really struggle women, especially with why am I worthy? What might an answer be? So at first, my answer was based off of things that I did. So I am worthy because I'm a good wife. <laughs> I am worthy because um, I helped so-and-so today. Or I'm worthy because I, I want good things for other people, right? So at first, my answer was based off of how I thought other people perceived me or titles that I gave myself. But as I sat with this practice, it took me, it took me months. It was probably six months later. One day I was sitting there writing um, and the answer came, I am worthy because I am, because I am, because I exist, because I breathe, because I was created, because I'm here, um, because I've been given another day. <laughs> and is that where the name of your podcast came from? Yes. Ah, ding, 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 ding. It's all connecting. Okay. It's all It's all one big okay. connection. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Um, but, but that learning, not just hearing it, but 
deeply allowing ourselves to start feeling, letting that feeling take root that we are worthy because we are, that changes the way that we start living our lives. That changes the way that we start interacting with other people. Because when you know that you're worthy, you also know that other people are worthy and there's nothing that needs to be done for anyone to earn that, right? So we start treating ourselves differently and other people differently. And that was a game changer for me. Then number three is? Number three is who can I serve today? Love that. Okay. Yes. Um, It allows us something that grief does. It gives us a new lens on the world. It allows us to be more compassionate. Um, more aware of what other people are going through, but it also gets really easy to get bombarded and bogged down with our own grief or, or the things that we're trying to accomplish in a day. So, so it gets easy to just miss what other people might be needing us to hold space for them for that day. I've had amazing experiences come from just asking the question and paying attention to who is it that I can serve today? Who needs me? Um, and my lens of life today. And then after that, the next question that I ask is what can I set down today? We carry so much with us. We carry shame, guilt, perfectionism, whatever that thing is. What can I set down to just for today? It it helps me break it down to bite size rather than, well, I just need to get rid of this whole thing because that feels too big and hard. But if I can do it day by day, then that helps me create a healthy uh, habit that then I'm able to carry with me throughout the rest of my life. And then the last question that I ask is, how does the truest version of myself show up today? I used to ask myself, how does the best version of myself show up today? But the truest version of ourselves and the best version of ourselves are different because the best version of ourselves, we usually are trying to find answers based off of what other people want or need from us. But as I can sit and, and really listen to how is the, truest version of me show up today. It allows me um, to uncover parts of myself that I might have buried away based off what I thought other people wanted from me. So I start my day off with those five questions, which then allows me to figure out what affirmations I need to be telling myself. What is it that I really need that day? And I can get really intentional about how I'm spending my time throughout that day. That's amazing. And since you just mentioned the affirmations, don't you have specific ones? Yes, I have. I have some specific ones. One is I am safe. Um, That one has become really important to me. Um, And I think it's important for a lot of us just just knowing that I'm safe, I'm safe to exist, I'm safe in my body. Um, Another one is I am a fighter. Uh, another one is I am the rainbow. So part of the the next part of our story, I didn't know if we were going to talk about this or not, but um, my husband and I decided that it was time to grow our family again. And um, we got pregnant. And then right at the beginning of COVID last year, I went septic at 16 weeks pregnant. Um, so that meant I had to be alone in the hospitals. The first day that hospitals shut out outside visitors. So I was alone in the hospital on antibiotics, on breathing machines, trying to figure out this infection. Um, and again, it became this moment of, well, I can go through this pain. I can go through all of this because I'm protecting my baby. And then um, 48 hours later, 
there was no heartbeat anymore. And the next morning by myself, they still wouldn't let Mike come in. I delivered our baby boy alone, literally alone in the hospital. And since then, a lot of people have said, well, your rainbow's coming, your, your rainbow's, your rainbow's coming, right? That's, that's told to a lot of women after they have a miscarriage. And I love that. And, and I know it provides so much hope and comfort for a lot of people. But then I kept asking myself, well, well, what if I, what if we don't ever have another, another child? Like, does that mean that my life is just going to be stormy forever? Does that mean that I'm exempt from receiving a rainbow? And so going through this work, I I had a mentor helping me through that grieving process last year. And she looked at me one day and she said, Ashley, what if you are the rainbow? What if all of the things that you're looking for in your life, what if they are inside of you and this pain that you're feeling is inviting you once again to uncover them, to bring them to light and everything that you are looking for is already inside. What if you are the rainbow? And so that affirmation has become so important to me because it invites me back into myself instead of constantly looking for something else out there that's going to come and make my storm disappear. Because quite frankly, that doesn't happen for a lot of us. That Life doesn't always end as this perfect package, but it doesn't mean that we have to miss out on all the good parts of it. So that's an affirmation that um, I really, really love. I love it too. I'm just curious for anyone who's not, who hasn't done all the work (laughs) that you have and isn't as positive and can't quite see it. Like, and they just say to themselves, like, I don't want to be the rainbow. I don't want How do you, how do you deal with that? It's okay. It's okay. If you don't want to be the rainbow right now there, I mean, this has taken me so many years, right. And it's, and it's a step-by-step it's this building process. And that's why, in both of my books, we start from where you're at. And then based off of where you're at, you take what it is that you need. That's why answering our own questions are so important. And in the beginning, I didn't know how to be the rainbow. I didn't know how to find it. I didn't want it. I didn't want the life that I was given. And honestly, a lot of times I still get really pissed. Like I'm not saying this coming from a place of, I'm so glad I've lost all three of my children right? Like that's never going to be a reality of my life. So then the question becomes, how do I keep finding joy and moving through this life that I've been given? How do I do that? And some days I'm the fighter. So then do you lean into that affirmation because you are the fighter? Yes. And you're the fighter and, and then you're safe to do that. And, and, and so coming up with these affirmations that feel good to you is so important. And, and then building off of those. And that's, what's so beautiful to me about healing is that then you can look back and say, man, three years ago, I did not want to be a freaking rainbow. Like I, I did not even believe that was possible for me. And I didn't want to listen to anyone who told me that that could be for me, right? Like I was in my pain and that, and that was it. And And so this also allows us to say, wow, I still am hurting, but look how far I've come. And look look how far I've come. And look how, yes, love that. And I'm hurting and look how far I've come. So that's created a lot of healing um, in my life. And again, this is a constant practice. This isn't just a one-time, I am this thing, right? This is, that's why they're affirmations because you're staring at yourself in the mirror until that what you're saying starts becoming a, a, a glimmer of a feeling that you can grasp onto. Actually, do you feel like the more you share 
the more you heal because you begin to create community and community is another big piece of, of healing? I think I, I, I will say yes and no. I, I, there's, I think that healing really happens um, when we can all come together. And again, because we have individual experiences that feel so lonely when we're in them, right? And we're like, I'm the only one, or I just feel so alone or no one understands when we find people who understand and who we can also see have experienced healing and, and where we can share and we can support and, and where we can just hold space and say, I went through this too. And I know it freaking sucks. I always, I call them grief mentors in my book. Is that what what you're talking about? Yes. Yes. And I think that that brings, I think that that can bring so much healing. There's also the other side of, I mean, you know, on social media where you can share and there can be people who either very much disagree with what you're saying or who are in this really deep place of, um, not want, not wanting what you're sharing. And so I, you know, I, I hear a lot, the phrase of hurt people, hurt people. And, um, which is so true, but, but so it can also open that up. So sometimes I have to take a breath and say, this isn't for me to share today. Or I, you know, part of my intention today is I just need to create safety for my own healing until I'm ready again to step back out and walk alongside other people. So for me, it's kind of become this balance of really needing to pay attention to if sharing is causing me anxiety and fear and like needing to protect myself or if it's creating community and compassion and togetherness. You know, I think it's so powerful, Ashley. And I just think, you know, people put down Instagram a lot and social media as being, oh, it's just our highlight reel. And on one hand, that's true. But on the other hand, I think some of the most popular people on social media, including you, are popular because you're vulnerable and you're real and you see these moments of authenticity and you share not only your highlight reel, but also the realities of what pain looks like, what healing looks like, what it looks like when we're up and when we're down. And I think that is when social media is the most powerful. In yoga, we call that sharing your shadow self, mm. right, Ashley? I mean, like, does that ring true with you? I One of my favorite yoga teachers ever was like, you know, you're a great yoga teacher. You're so positive, but you're really going to find your power when you share your shadows because that's mm. what impacts people. And that's what I couldn't help but keep thinking when you were speaking. It's like how powerful it is that you are sharing your shadows and quite frankly, how much courage that takes. So obviously your fighter affirmation is, (laughs) but does it come naturally to you or is it like something that you have to push yourself to do? Cause I, you know, I think it's, it's really interesting. It doesn't come naturally for everybody to, to be vulnerable or to show their hand publicly, but I think that's where you found your power in inspiring others, right? Because it's so relatable. Um, Writing comes naturally for me. Writing is my, is my biggest healing tool. So as I was writing through my feelings and experiences and grief, that's what I was sharing. And, and because I just thought to myself, because when we lost our older two kids, I had a public platform already. Right. And so, so people had seen it. And so, um, and, and we had, we had to keep the court battle so private for two years. No one knew what was happening so that then when it was over and I had felt so alone and, and just so my voice had just felt so stuck. And then I was able to write. And then I was like, I feel like people struggle with these same feelings. I'm going to share 
And as I shared and and women were just thousands and thousands of women were messaging me about how lonely that they had felt and how much that helped them. um, I knew that continuing to share what I was writing would be helpful. So I, I don't know if it came naturally just for me sharing. It came naturally for me to write and then offer that as a tool of healing or, or help um, if someone was looking for it. You just used the word stuck. And a lot of your work is about aimed at helping other people become unstuck, correct? Yes. So what you've given us so much and our listeners so much already. What is step one on the un- getting unstuck journey? Step one, I'm getting unstuck is allowing yourself to ha- give yourself permission to acknowledge that you are stuck. I think a lot of times we get caught up in just this routine of life that we know it is not fulfilling us, that we know we're not happy doing but it just becomes this cycle. And so we stay there forever, never really making changes or finding things that really bring us alive. But there's so much power that comes in being vulnerable with ourselves. And so acknowledging that, hey, I'm stuck and I actually don't really love where I'm at right now in my life and I want a change opens up this conversation that we can have our with ourselves that invites us to start asking the questions, okay, well, what am I willing to do next? Love, Mm -hmm. love, love that. Well, we cannot thank you enough. This has been, I have to say this one has been one of the most powerful episodes that I've ever witnessed. I I can't tell you how much we're all definitely one of my favorites, if not my fave. Yeah. You're talking to, to, to three women who are just, who just really, you very much hear you, hear you. And um, we see your beautiful energy and we appreciate you. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. We always end our show with two quick things. The first one is uh, a fun lightning round. So I'm just going to ask you three questions so people can get to know a little bit, a little bit more about you and what you kind of like in a day. Ready? Ready. Here we go. Question number one, morning or evening workout? Morning. Question number two, what is your favorite workout? Oh, well, all the, okay, lightning round, right? Boxing <laughs> and yoga. Can I, I need both. I need both. Yes. Of the yes. She's a fighter. That, yeah, I was going to say that, that actually leans in perfectly to your, to your affirmation. And then question number three, coffee, tea, or matcha? Oh my gosh, you guys are not going to like this answer. Water. Ah, oh, I am the water. That's all I drink is water. I love water so much. I thought you were going to say a like a answer. Slurpee. <laughs> I know. A Slurpee. That would be more fun than water. That would be so fun. Water is amazing. It makes our bodies go. Right? That's what I hear. I don't know. <laughs> we're 80% water, right? right? So, okay. Those are awesome answers. We've definitely never gotten that one before. So, yay. Our very last thing is called Meg's karma call. So I make Megan say it because she says it amazing, but I'm the yogi. So I explained to everyone what you already know. I'm sure that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, what is one actionable item, small thing that can yield a giant result for our listeners? So it could be asking yourself what your intention is every morning. Yes. So if there's one thing I want you to leave with today would be Go find a piece of paper or a post-it note and write down and 
an I am affirmation that you want to feel, maybe you don't feel it right now, but you want to feel that thing. Like I am love or I am peace or I am joy, whatever that thing is. And I want you to put it in five different places on your mirror, steering wheel, fridge, wherever it's going to remind you all day that it becomes a new thought pattern and go do that. And I just want to say author to author, I just want to tell everybody we only scratched the surface in this interview. So you absolutely need her book. I am here. And if you want to start with her first book, Born to Shine, but we absolutely just scratched the surface here. So you need her book available wherever books are sold. There you go. Author to author, Megan knows what to say. (laughs) Thanks, Megan. (laughs) It helps. I'm just going to say it. It helps. Totally. Go out and buy the book, listen to her podcast, listen to this podcast and follow along as we go on hiatus and all of our backlog episodes are available to you anywhere podcasts are consumed. So don't forget to subscribe to our show, especially so you get the reminder when we come back in the fall. But uh, until then, stay tuned to all we are doing with Off the Gram. You can follow us at on. (laughs) <laughs> follow us on the gram at off the gram podcast and uh, don't forget to tune in to OzTube, which is dr.oz.com slash OzTube for all of our best of episodes in video form we love you all and we will see you soon see you in the happy fall. summer